You're listening to the Earn That Body Podcast, episode number 343. Welcome to the Earn That Body Show with Kim Eagle. Kim is an award-winning personal trainer. She trains her clients all over the world online and is passionate about empowering people by getting fit and healthy. Let's talk today about how I personally have changed my nutrition in my 50s. So the last two weeks we talked about nutrition basics, getting you back on track with a lot of healthy things that I still do in my 50s. But then I've sort of had to refine things because as I entered perimenopause, my body was making a lot of changes and it didn't matter that I was still eating the same things that I was eating before. So I wanna share with you the details of what I had to change and what I've spent the last year sort of experimenting with to make sure that I could stay as fit and healthy as possible through this next stage of life. Now, before I get into all of those details, I have to tell you about this great podcast episode that I heard the other day. Now, in case you have not found this one, Julia Louise Dreyfus. Do you know who that is? Of course you do, because her name is Elaine. (laughs) Is it Louis Dreyfus or Louis Dreyfus? I don't know. But you know Elaine from Seinfeld, right? Well, she has a podcast now, and it is called Wiser than me. It is so fantastic. And one of the reasons I really love it is because she basically said, look, when women get older, we're kind of thrown to the curb. Nobody wants to talk to us anymore, like in terms of their world of celebrity, right? They, they don't get hired as much. They're not talked about as much. And you get older and you're literally just like pushed aside. But she was saying, look, The ladies and the women in their older ages, these are the wisest women there are. These are the women that we need to learn from, right? So she has an entire podcast about interviewing older women and learning from them and what they're so much wiser than us about because they're older, they've been through it, they've been there, they've done that, and it is so fantastic. So the very first episode is Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda is such an icon in the fitness world, and I don't know if you have seen her over the last years, but she looks fabulous. Now, that being said, she has had work done. We know that, right? And even in the interview, Julia asks her, have you had work done? Clearly she knew she had. And the response that Jane had was, yes, I've had plastic surgery and I regret it. Now, of course, Julia was like, well, why? What? Why do you regret it? I mean, she does look fantastic, but she looks like she's had work done. She said, I regret it because she basically said something like, it doesn't look right. It's not, basically, it just doesn't look normal and I can't go back now. That is what she said. And I thought, wow, more women need to hear this. So many people are so quick to get plastic surgery because they don't want to look older. They wanna fill all the lines. They don't want the wrinkles. The skin is sagging. I gotta boost this up, plump this up, right? Well, she regrets it 
because she cannot take it back. Once that work is done, it is done and it can never be undone, especially with the facial plastic surgery. Um, in terms of undone, if you were to have breast surgery and get implants, you could technically undo that. And a lot of women are doing that right now. It's a whole topic in itself. They're taking their implants out. They don't want the foreign substance in their body anymore. There's a lot of reasons why. And they're taking it out. But would you be able to say they undid it? I mean, they're still gonna have probably some scar tissue and things won't look the same as if they had never had it done, right? Because they've had implants for all these years and the body grows and changes and the muscles form around this. And so it's never gonna go back to the way it was completely. That all being said, Jane Fonda had work done, she regrets it. That is one of the reasons I'm never getting work done because I don't ever wanna regret it. And once it's done, it cannot be undone. Now, the best part of this podcast episode, and I highly encourage you to go check out the podcast and this episode in particular, but there was one section that Jane talked about that hit me super hard. And what she was saying is that she feels like life is three acts, like in a play. She says like basically zero to 30 years old is your first act, 30 to 60 is the second act, and 60 to 90, she said she plans on leaving, living to at least 90, so 60 to 90, she says, is the third act. And she is in her third act. She's 85 years old, you guys. She is in her third act. When she laid it out like this, first, second, third act, all of a sudden I was, I was driving and I almost came to like a halting stop because I thought to myself, wow, I'm 51 years old. I'm only nine years away from my final act. Wow. Now she talks all about her different acts and how she is in her final act. Again, go listen to it. But it hit me so hard. And you might think, well, nine years is a long way away. It's not really. We see how fast life is flying by, right? So in nine years, I'm going to be in my final act. And so it really made me think, am I doing all the things that I want to be doing in my second act? Am I doing all the things I need to be doing in my second act to prepare for an amazing final act? And I'm talking emotionally, physically, financially, all of those things, right? Very powerful to think of your life in that way. So think of what act are you in? Are you living it to its fullest? Because this act is going to be over before you know it. And then what act is coming up? Or are you in your final act? And are you living your best life in your final act? Because for me, I wanna be living my finest, best life ever once I get to my final act. And that means I need to use act two to really make sure that I have everything ready to go. And that means physically as well. I gotta make sure my body stays healthy, fit, strong, muscular, so that when I go in, to my final act, I'm feeling my best and I can still do all of those things that I want to do in my final act. Now, one more thing that Jane said that I really loved as well is she said, thank goodness I was so fit 
and strong throughout my second act. Because as most of you know, she's like the icon in fitness, right? She was like the first person out there doing fitness videos. She's always been very fit in her life. And she says she is so fortunate in her third and final act to have had all that muscle that she put on in act two because it is deteriorating in act three. And if she hadn't had that base level, then she wouldn't be able to do all that she does today at 85 years old. So check out that podcast. It's really fabulous. And just maybe check in with your act and see what act you're in and how that's going for you. And are you preparing for the act ahead or are you living your best act now? And what can you do if you need to do anything to make it even better? Now, This flows right into some of my nutritional changes that I have had to make in my 50s to accommodate the second act. (laughs) For me, the second act is when I am in perimenopause. So I'm in this period before menopause hits where I have periods that go very, very, very long in between them at this point. I have no idea if I will get another period. I haven't had one now in like 80 plus days. Will I get one? I have no idea. Or, you know, once you haven't had one for one year, you're basically in menopause. So anyway, in this year, as you know, with all that I post and talk about on the podcast, been a crazy year and perimenopause is one of the reasons why. I had to make changes nutritionally, even though I'm super fit and I work out, even though the workouts had to change, even though I eat super healthy, the weight was definitely starting to climb on. And I knew that partially it was hormonal. Now, definitely some of it was from the injuries and I couldn't work out as hard as I had used to workout, but that's no longer going to be a part of my life working out at that level. So I had to learn how to accommodate my new style of exercise or the new regime that I sort of do with the fact that my hormones are now shifting and that's impacting my body. Hello, belly weight. I mean, it hit me so hard so fast, and I appreciate all the emails and posts that you guys send me and messages saying, you don't see anything on my belly. And I really, again, I appreciate that, and it's not that I've gained a lot. And at this point, actually, I haven't gained anything now that I've gotten my nutrition dialed back in, but there is just a layer that goes on your middle even for me. And I don't think that there's really anything that you can do about it. Again, I couldn't be healthier. I couldn't eat cleaner. And yes, my workouts could be harder, but I know that is not the key to this belly layer. So this is just part of what you get with hormones and aging. And you know what, team? Embrace it. Stop being negative about aging. We are so lucky that we get to age, right? It's such a great, wonderful thing that we get to live on each and every day. So we have to embrace these changes. We just have to do the best that we can with what we're given. And so if you are perimenopausal or are even in menopause, you probably have to make some nutritional changes too because the body is just not the same 
as it used to be. We've got these lower levels of estrogen, different levels of progesterone than our body used to have, a lot of shifts going on, and so that means that we have to make shifts too in our workouts and in our nutrition. So let's just jump right in. The first thing that I had to change, I had to drop my calories. Now you have to understand that I was an endurance athlete who hit several injuries and perimenopause at the same time. An endurance athlete needs to eat a ton of calories. So I was used to eating very high calories, basically. Um, 2,000 plus a day just to maintain my weight. But now I've got weight going on. So obviously, I cannot eat that many calories anymore. I'm not burning that many calories and my body's shifting into this new zone that I don't know what the heck it is, right? So as I saw the weight creeping on, I said, okay, gotta drop my calories. So I don't food log anymore. I really just haven't in so many years. I do every now and then um, to get back on track if I have to, but I was like, I'm just gonna cut down on how much I'm eating. And so I did that for maybe two months and I wasn't really seeing any change on the scale. I had seen the scale go up three to five pounds. I don't like it anywhere near the five pound mark and I always say I don't want it to go over the five pound mark, but I'm not getting any change on the scale. So I'm like, okay. I mean, I'm not gaining more and more, but I don't really want it to be on the higher side and what can I do to get it back down where I just feel better I got to drop my calories, but guess what? It wasn't working. Now that's the other joy about being in this age and being in this stage, I should say, of hormones. What we used to do doesn't really work so much anymore, does it? Or it doesn't work as fast, that's for sure. So that led me to the fact that, okay, drop my calories, weight is not going down. Weight is really staying at this five pound up mark. I started food logging very quickly. What I saw and I was kind of shocked because I always feel like I really know everything about what I'm putting in my body. I had dropped too low. I had dropped to like 1200 calories and I didn't even realize it. Um, at first I was a little hungry, but then I was just hydrating a ton and I was just working with it as we all do. But I really, I wasn't working out as much, so my hunger levels dropped a lot in those couple months. But 1,200 calories was apparently what I had dropped to by just decreasing servings, one less snack, and that is not enough food. <laughs> all right, so when you don't eat enough, I teach you all the time, what usually happens is your body holds on to every pound. So that's what happened to me. So it even happens to me, and it even happens at this stage of life in perimenopause, that maybe you dropped the calories too much, and that's why your body's holding on to every pound. So I started eating a little bit more than that. Um, I shouldn't say a little bit more. I, I added more calories in and I sort of then started tracking how many calories I was burning in these workouts, which were very minor. I don't burn a lot of calories. I probably burn half the calories that I used to burn. So I started taking in to account my calorie burn and I got the calories really dialed in and I started seeing the weight come back up. Not quickly. That's the joy of this age. The weight does not come off quickly, but it started chipping away, I would say. Wasn't going up, 
wasn't dropping fast, but I was chipping away half a pound at a time. And I always tell people, if you're in your 30s or even your 40s and you have a few pounds that you wanna lose or even more than that, that is the time to do it, team. Do not wait until you're in your 50s. It's not that you can't take weight off in your 50s, but it's a very slow process, so be cautious. So I dropped my calories, but then I dropped them too much. I had to bring them back up, but they're definitely lower calories than I used to eat. The second thing I had to change nutritionally is I had to drop the amount of carbohydrates I was eating. Now again, remember, I was an endurance athlete. I had to eat a lot of carbohydrates, and if you're an athlete, you should be eating a lot of healthy carbohydrates because that is the fuel source that your body will go to first and use first, and you need that as an athlete. I am no longer that type of athlete, and guess what? As you hit perimenopause and the estrogen starts to decrease, you don't metabolize carbohydrates quite the same way that you used to. So I had to drop my carbohydrates. That is something that when I get a client and they're struggling with weight and perimenopause or menopause, first I see where they're at with their macros and then we slowly start to drop the carbohydrate percent. We don't drop it a ton. So please don't think that you're going like 20% and under on carbs because you're not. But we just drop that carbohydrate percent a little bit to see where it needs to be to start getting that weight to come off. The third thing I had to do, if you're dropping your carbohydrates, you have to be increasing another macro and you don't want it to be your fat. So I did have to increase my protein. It does get tough. I know what it's like, team. I'm just like you. I'm like, oh, what else can I eat to get in enough protein? There's only so much Greek yogurt you can eat. And I honestly don't recommend you eat more than one serving of Greek yogurt a day because it can be very constipating. It is the greatest source of protein, calcium, but you don't want to overdo it. So don't use that as the way to get to protein up. And then obviously, I'm not a supplement person, so I don't do protein powder and I do not advise you just dump loads of protein powder in your food to get your protein up because there's all kinds of digestive issues that can happen from that. But I did have to increase my protein. So I dropped my carbohydrates, I increased my protein. It might've been a little more chicken, a little bit more ground turkey, but number four is that I increased my fish intake. So fish is very high in protein. So it helped me to get more protein, to have more fish during the week, but also getting in more fish means higher omega-3 fatty acid levels. Now, according to a 2020 review that was done, higher omega-3 fatty acid levels are associated with better health among women in postmenopause. Additionally, women in postmenopause who have diabetes or coronary heart disease tend to have lower omega-3 levels than women without. So as a person in the second act, trying to prepare for my third act one day, postmenopause one day, knowing that I will need higher omega-3 fatty acids as that stage occurs, I'm going to bump it up now. So I'm taking in more fish. 
Now, foods highest in the omega-3 fatty acids are gonna be your fatty fish, so your mackerel, your salmon, things like anchovies, seeds like flaxseed, chia seeds, hemp seeds, all of those things are so fantastic to help the omega-3 fatty acids. I made it a priority in my diet right now. Now you do have to be careful because some of these have a lot of fat. It's healthy fat, but we don't want the fat macro to be sky high because that will start increasing your weight again. And we don't wanna have that happen. So you do have to find this balance, and that's what I work with my clients on, finding this balance of enough protein, enough omega-3s, but keeping the fat where it needs to be. The next thing I added, more fiber. So I talk about fiber all the time. I tell you that research is out there that uh, some people say that the fiber is more important than protein at this point in life. There are so many benefits of fiber. But the thing is, I used to shoot for 20 grams. That used to be the range they said to shoot for, but it's much higher than that now. And so in this act of my life, I knew it was time to really get my fiber intake even higher. Dietary fiber reduces cholesterol, right? Fiber in the digestive tract can help reduce the body's cholesterol absorption, especially for people who take statins and use fiber supplements, which I personally do not use. So I believe in eating real fiber, not from any type of supplement. But again, the benefit of this fiber in the digestive tract is that it can help reduce the body's cholesterol absorption. Now, I don't know if you listened to my podcast recently about menopause, but as your estrogen goes down, guess what? Lucky us, our cholesterol goes up. It is like so unfair, ladies. I'm right there with you. There's nothing fair about this, but with a smile on my face, we embrace this stage of life, okay? But I know that my cholesterol is gonna go up because of my hormones, so I'm gonna take action by taking in more fiber to combat that. And again, I take in more fiber from real food, fruit, vegetables, whole grains. I do not take any fiber supplements. Fiber is also going to help you promote a healthy weight. That is pretty typical. They've been saying this for ages and ages and ages. High fiber foods like fruits and vegetables, they tend to be lower in calories. Fiber can slow digestion and will help you feel full for longer. So knowing that I had to drop my calories, which I had to drop them by a significant amount if you take into the effect that I used to eat so much because I was an endurance athlete. So in the beginning, I was hungry. And I always tell my clients, you never want to be hungry when you're deficiting your calories because you can't win that battle. If you get too hungry, you get hangry, and that's when all bets are off and you'll eat anything, right? So I increased my fiber and it really did help me get full much quicker and for much longer. Obviously, other benefits of fiber, it goes on and on, and I have done a fiber podcast. I highly recommend you go back and check that out. But of course, it prevents constipation, and if you know me, you know that I believe you should have a bowel movement every single day. It is so important. Fiber also manages blood sugar, and it reduces your cancer risk as you get older. 
we don't want cancer, right? It's very scary to be diagnosed with cancer. And so there's little nutritional things you can do like increasing your fiber intake that may help prevent prevent certain types of cancer, including colon cancer. So definitely get on top of your fiber. If you are someone who has not been eating a lot of high fiber foods for a while now or ever, please add it in gradually. Don't add too much too fast. You'll get so bloated and so gassy. It definitely has to be done on the slower side. Now, the next thing that I had to change in my diet as I'm in this new stage is I had to increase my calcium. Um, That is so important, obviously, that you're getting an adequate intake of calcium for peri and postmenopausal women. Definitely tons of evidence to show that there is a relationship between calcium and osteoporosis prevention, okay? Calcium is widely available in so many foods, not just dairy foods, but definitely dairy, which is why I say, Don't go dairy-free unless you have a dairy intolerance because there is so much fabulous calcium in dairy, not to mention protein. So if you take dairy out, you're really limiting yourself on getting that calcium and protein through healthy food options. But also things like fruits, leafy greens, beans, nuts, some of the starchy vegetables can also be good sources of calcium. So not just dairy, Um, there's obviously the dairy, the cheese, the yogurt. Some orange juice is calcium fortified. So if you had to, you could get some that way. I'm not a juice drinker myself because of all the sugar, but it is an option. Winter squash tends to have a lot of calcium. Edamame, tofu, uh, tofu and I should say made with calcium sulfate. Canned sardines and salmon, which we just talked about, that's like a double whammy. You're gonna get your omegas in that way too with your calcium. Almonds and leafy greens like collards and mustard, turnip, kale, bok choy, spinach. Those leafy greens are so easy to add to that Eagle Real Food Protein Shake, right? And that's going to help you get your calcium up as well. The next thing I had to really hone down on because I had gotten a little, I don't know, I gotten a little lax with this one because again, I was burning so many calories, marathon training, I could pretty much eat what I wanted. So I had to really tone down the sugar and the refined carbohydrates. Now I don't eat a lot of refined carbohydrates, but I definitely let a few of the whites slip back in a little too often. So I'm talking about like the white tortillas. Um, I don't really eat white bread, so that was never really an issue, but I definitely have white rice and I still do probably once a week. Um, But I had to really start limiting that sugar and refined carbohydrate. You know how it gets when you first go on any kind of so-called diet. You just like knock all that stuff out, but sometimes it starts to creep back in, right? Well, for me, it was creeping back in and I couldn't really afford to do that anymore. So as I tightened up the sugar and the refined carbs, I think it made a really big difference on when that scale started to drop. Now I'm also limiting caffeine and alcohol. 
Now, thankfully, I'm not a big drinker, so I'm not concerned about my alcohol intake. I have two to three glasses of wine a week, and that is it. Sometimes I don't have any at all. It is not my thing. I would rather be present than be drinking alcohol. Um, in terms of caffeine, that was starting to slip, I would say, like some of the sugar. You know, it's like it went from, oh, I was having two cups of coffee to sometimes three. That's it. I would never have more than three, but three is a lot. So I have limited back to one cup of coffee a day, and it has made a really big difference in my body, how I feel. Um, I think it's really helped with the inflammation and some of the injury pain I was having as well. So you, sometimes when you're injured and you have these injuries, especially when they're chronic, you got to do everything you can to limit inflammation. So getting that caffeine down Big, important thing, don't be relying on caffeine all day long, team. I'm telling you right now, starting to get that under control in this act of your life and the alcohol is a given. Alcohol is a flat out poison. It is poison, it is a toxin. I still have three glasses a week and if you have just a little, it's okay. Is it better to have none? Yes. They literally say that alcohol is poison. So be cautious if you're a daily alcohol drinker. I'm really just hammering this with people lately because I see so many people using it as a crutch in their life to feel better or to numb themselves. Don't do it, team. Figure out what's going on in your life, how you can handle that stress so that you can take alcohol out of your life. Nobody stops drinking alcohol and doesn't feel so much better. I've never had someone come to me and say, well, I'm not drinking and I feel worse. But the other way around, I'm drinking and I don't feel great, hand in hand. Now, another thing I had to do was increase hydration. Now you probably think, well, you always say drink tons of water and I do drink tons of water, but I think it was slipping. It was, again, it was one of those things. I just really went from, I don't have to think about anything I do because generally I eat healthy, to I have to rein it all in pretty tight right now. That's part of these changes, is that I have to rein these things in pretty tight. And hydration with water is so important because if you think about what's going on in your body during perimenopause and menopause, it's basically like a drying out time, right? Yeah, those are some of the symptoms even, right? Vaginal dryness. It's like the body is drying out. In Eastern medicine, they definitely say that. You become very yin deficient. And so it's, it's just if the body is drying out, what can you do? Hydrate, 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 hydrate even more. So as that skin starts to change as we age, guess what? We need to hydrate even more. So making sure that I'm really on top of my hydration uh, makes a huge difference in how I feel all day. Another thing that I had to change and this is the last thing that we're gonna talk about, is that I had to increase my collagen. However, you know that I don't take collagen supplements, and the research that I have done, even to this day, is still not showing that collagen supplements are working and have the same impact when they are digested as a supplement. But we need to increase our collagen because as we talked about recently, Estrogen goes down, guess what? 
collagen levels in our body go down. And when collagen goes down, we cannot recover as well from our workouts. You could have tendon issues like I do. So what can you do to get this boost in collagen? There are several high protein foods that are believed to nurture collagen production because they contain the amino acids that make collagen. So these would include, guess what, fish. So it's like the triple whammy now, fish, gonna give you calcium, it's going to give you um, that protein, it's going to give you collagen, and poultry, meat in general, eggs, dairy, legumes, and even soy. All things that are definitely a very big part of my diet right now. Collagen production also requires nutrients like zinc, which is found in shellfish, legumes, meats, nuts, seeds, whole grains, and vitamin C from citrus fruits, berries, leafy greens, bell peppers, and tomatoes. Did you guys know I probably have a bell pepper a day? <laughs> That's my snack. In the late afternoon, I have a bell pepper with a little bit of hummus. So these bell peppers are now a part of my daily life because they are supplying my body with this zinc that is going to also benefit collagen production. So as I had said before, at this time, non-industry funded research on collagen supplements is really lacking. And a natural collagen production is supported through a healthy and balanced diet. That's what they say. Just by eating enough protein foods, whole grains, fruits, and vegetables is going to definitely benefit you probably more than relying on a collagen supplement that they're not really even sure is doing much in your body. So those are the things that I have had to work on and change nutritionally to get myself back down in weight. So I did take all of that weight off. I am now back in my weight range. As I tell people always, don't give yourself a number to be because weight goes up and down daily. Give yourself a range of about three pounds that you like to stay in. And I am back in my range. So I'm very happy about that. But I did, I had to dial these things in. I had to rein it in fairly tight in the beginning to get change. So if you are someone who is perimenopausal or even postmenopause and you're you're just stuck, right? You can't lose weight, you gained weight, everything you do isn't working. Definitely reach out to me because I am working with so many people who are getting success right now in my private nutrition program. I am definitely focusing on these things for those clients and it is making a difference, but we gotta rein it in. And unfortunately, even if I tell you to do these things, you know how hard it is to do it on your own without accountability, without knowing exactly how much. Never be afraid to ask for help. So this would definitely be a good one just to help you tighten things up um, and makes you see really like I had to like kind of buckle down to see that I had kind of let things go a bit. And so I partially just had to dial everything back in a little tighter. 
And that's everything. So we definitely got through a lot in the last few weeks. We're dialing back in that nutrition. We're making sure we're eating enough calories. We're making sure our food is balanced. And then this was the week that we were focusing on the nutritional changes that I personally made for this stage of my life. Lots of awesome podcasts coming up. But I want to make sure that you're all on the newsletter list. So if you don't get my newsletter, you're definitely going to want it because I have a couple big programs launching soon. One is the program that I've been talking about forever, and it is basically my new workout regime for this stage of my life. Lots of you are so interested in it. It is called Lean And all of those details are coming out in the February newsletter. So go to earnthatbody.com forward slash newsletter. (laughs) I was going to say forward slash lean, but that's not it. Earnthatbody.com forward slash newsletter. So make sure that you are on the newsletter list so that you can find out the programs that are coming out. This first one, this first time that I launched the lean program. Again, this is a workout program dedicated primarily for people in their 40s, 50s, and up. However, if you are younger than that, you are still totally going to be able to use all of these workouts, but you would probably use them in a slightly different way and you would get that guidance. So if that is something that's of interest to you, make sure you're on the newsletter list, not to mention you get a free recipe every week and health inspiration, tips, all kinds of stuff. So why would you not want that? Once a month, I never email you more than once a month. All right, team, the Earn That Body podcast is always here to bring you fitness, health, and nutrition information you can put into play right away. For more information about Kim Eagle's online programs, go to earnthatbody.com or check out Earn That Body on all forms of social media, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube. 